Welcome back to another episode of Passing Move Pod. I'm your host, Dominic, and of course, joined by my co-host, Aaron. How are you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm good, man. And you? Yeah, good, man. Excited to be back after the international break. Um, I think, obviously, there's probably only one place to start with the latest round of fixtures in both the Premier League and the Champions League, and that's Man United, um, unfortunately. Man United have been... We've been in the... We've been talked about this season on and off the pitch, both for bad reasons. We've been the, the headlines throughout this whole season so far. It's been it's been terrible. Obviously, um, continuing uh, our poor start to the season with losses to Brighton and to Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Um, I think starting on the Brighton game, um, it's obviously disappointing to lose our, our unbeaten run at Old Trafford. Obviously, it's our first loss at Old Trafford since Brighton last season. And if you, if you kind of... If you compare and contrast where we were at last season to where we're at now, um, you know, we, last season we'd, we'd beat Arsenal and Liverpool at this point, and our season was it was looking like we were about to kick off, and now we're struggling. Um, a season on when you would have thought that um, Ten Hag would have been able to implement more of his style of play and stuff, and and how he wants us to actually play, we're not really seeing too much um, of his ideas, and it's kind of a lot of people have been talking about being confused as to how we actually want to play. Um, I know Ten Hag said during the press conference in preseason that he wants us to be the best transitional team in the world, but even that, I'm struggling to see at times um, so far this season. The loss against Brighton is just poor defensively. I think over and over again this season, our midfield has been exposed um, against Wolves and against Spurs. I think especially saw our first two games of the season, uh, Madison and... Uh, Guys like Cunha and stuff were able to just blow past our, our midfielders with um, their pace and power, their dribbling, able to go at guys like Casemiro in the midfield. And I think we saw that again um, against Brighton. We were exposed there. I think all three of their goals came from um, a man being free on the edge of the box. And those are areas where you'd expect someone like Casemiro is experienced and is like his position is not how to be there to block it. And I think yeah. last season, last season he was better in those scenarios. And I think this season he started poorly. Um, and yeah, it was just it was it was sloppy against Brighton, man. Obviously, we we went out with a diamond, um, and I think to be honest, we started quite well. I think the opening twenty minutes, literally up until the goal, we were we were the better team. I think Brighton literally scored with their first attack um, down the right hand side, and it was a lapse in concentration defensively. But I think after that, um, Brighton and Deserby really like the team really grew into the game, and in in the second half. They were clearly the better team, I feel like. But um, in the first half, man, I think we had, especially in the opening 20 minutes, we had chances. Toilin had a chance. Um, Rashford was doing well, kind of drifting out onto the left and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, what did what did you think about the game against Brian? Um, I don't know. It's like, to me, it's like, I don't know. It's all kind of the same issues that were there last season, I think. But it's like, to me, I'd even argue that it looks worse, which is a bit more concerning. Like, obviously, I don't want to see United do well as a City fan, but, like, I would thought that this season they'd be better than what they are. Like, I predicted them to finish third or fourth this season based on how they did last season and the players they have now. And when I watch the games, it's like I can't see any clear sort of idea. That's that's one thing I wanted to touch on as well, is that, like, you mentioned Ten Hag said he wants to be the best um, transitional team in the world. But I've seen somewhere, someone said apparently it's... Um, a mistranslation that he said he wants to be the best team at transitions. So he doesn't want to be the transitional team, which then to me, that's even more. Because okay. then if it's like, 
if he doesn't want to be a, a trans, like a counter-attacking team and he wants to like seek control of games, this team looks even worse than in that aspect because it's not like I've I've not seen them control games. Like last season, I'd expect you guys to like a team of the strength of maybe like a Wolves now or like a Forest now. Last season, I'd expect you guys to roll them over and probably struggle against a team like this current Spurs or this current Bayern, I'd expect you to struggle against. But it's like this season, um, granted there are injuries to the side, I feel like it's still, it's still like it's not, it doesn't look how you'd expect it to look in the second year under Ten Hag, even if it's just the start mm. of the season, you'd expect it to look better than it does. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's a real problem. You have to really hope that Amrabat is coming in to like really change this midfield up. Because with the the midfield right now, Casimir and Eriksen, it's like they're not even there. Like teams are just walking past. And then at the back, um, you've got Lindelof, he's not really the strongest defender either. Uh Lissandra, great defender, but he's he's a bit short as well. So it's like he's not able to cover the whole back line by himself, if that makes sense. Like he can only do one job at a time. You can't cover for Lindelof and Eriksen in front of him and Casemiro all at the same time. Like, yeah. You, his job, do you know what I mean? And I feel like it's just it's just too much at this point. Like I feel like there needs to be some sort of change. Mount, I'm not sure when he's coming back from injury, but uh, if him and Amrabat come back and can sort of change that midfield up a bit and give it a bit more like defensive stability, I think that'll be that'll be favourable for you guys. I think it'll help you guys a lot. Yeah, I think Mount Mount's supposed to be back for the game against Burnley on the weekend, um, but I think for us, like. As you touched on in the midfield, I think for the way that a lot of people expected us to play under Ten Hag, um, the midfield sidings this summer didn't really make sense. If you look at um, Mount and Amarat's profiles, they don't really. If if you say Man United are a team that want to control games, those are not really the midfielders that you want to sign um, to help you uh, control games. Especially when you look at the way our midfielders was set up last season with Ericsson there. Um, that um, his role was someone that could kind of get on the ball in in games when we were playing against um, low opposition. Like I remember against yeah. Forest last season, for example, away from home, Ericsson had one of his best games because he was able to get on the ball. He's able to kind of dictate play and help us in that second and third phase or entering into the third phase. And I think people were expecting an upgrade on that um, on that type of player um, and someone to provide a bit more defensive stability on the other side as well in the midfield this summer, but obviously we've ended up with Mount and we've got obviously the defensive side and that helps us press, but on the ball, it's not kind of what people would have hoped for. And I think that's why um, you've seen us, of course, struggle at times. I do think when Mount comes back, um, it's going to be a boost in the midfield. Amabrat as well. I think Amabrat's going to be really big for us this season. Wherever he plays, instead of Casemiro or alongside Casemiro, I think um, he's someone that, yeah, is going to be, it's going to be good for us this season. Um, but moving on to the game against Bayern then, obviously 4-3. And I think another game where we actually started quite well. Obviously, we were back at, uh, in the 4-2-3-1. Pilis just got the start at right wing. Um, about time he got his chance, to be honest. Every time I've seen him come off the bench, he's always performed well. Uh, but I feel like Ten Hag threw him in a bit of the deep end starting him like, at the end. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, I think, yeah, the opening, the opening 20 minutes, we actually played quite well. I, I watched the Bayern versus um, Leverkusen game on the weekend and I was 
obviously looking at Bayern performance, I was like, obviously, you know, I mean, they're a good team, but if we play well, we could we could definitely have gotten something from that game. That's how I was thinking heading into it. Uh, of course, Bayern are a great team and they've got great attacking players, so it's never going to be easy, especially at the Allianz. But um, I think, yeah, we, we started well and then we just crumbled again. And when when I'm seeing that kind of become a theme, I'm wondering, is it, is it the system, like the players failing to keep up the standards of Ten Hag's new system? Because for the for the first twenty minutes of these games, we have looked good. So is it the players failing to keep up with the with the standards of the new system, or is it Ten Hag failing to adapt in terms of what what other managers are doing in games? But either way, I think I think it's probably a bit of both. But either way, it's a bit concerning. I think for us going forward, um, because in terms of if you're looking at it from the players' aspect. You would have thought with preseason and all the preparation that you've done that you'd be able to perform for longer than 20 minutes in a game without falling away. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know, of course, from from if you're looking at looking at Ten Hag, um, it's worrying that you're kind of being figured out in the first 20 minutes. You can't really recover from that and make adjustments and see what's going wrong in the games. So um, but yeah, what what did you think about the about the buying game if you call it? Um I'm not sure to be honest. I with the buying game. There was times I wasn't watching, like little five-minute spells I wasn't watching because uh, it was raining so much. So literally the signal was cutting out. Um, oh. I was yeah, the signal was cutting out for mm. like five minutes. But uh, when I, what I did watch, it didn't look like a 4-3 game to me. Like, mm, it looks more like a like a 4-0, in my opinion. Like, I don't think I don't think the performance matched the scoreline. And I think, I don't know, I think Bruno could have played well. Rashford could have played well. But I don't think they did. I think they could have. I think these are sort of games. Like before the game, I was saying to my words, like, like even though Bayern have like the stronger team and like United are playing like Lindelof and Regulon and stuff like that. Like, I do think like these are the sort of games like Champions League away at the Allianz. This is like a game for Rashford, like counter attack. Bro, if if you look a couple of years ago against PSG yeah. in the group stages, like this is what he was doing away at the Parc yeah. de France. These were the type of games he showed up. And yeah. literally these are his sort of like moments where he mm. goes on the counter attack and scores a silencer like those are the type yeah. of goals that you'd expect but today um not today um obviously the other day i don't think they played as well as they should have i think you have to look i think it's, it's an issue i had before with with bruno is that sometimes you have to look for a bit more than from from a captain i think you have to look for a bit more than what he gives you in these like really massive games like for example the Arsenal game is another example 100%. Like, I think these these are the games when the team is down bad like you don't have Luke Shaw you don't have Varane like these are the games where you know they need you to step up and be the captain and be like yo like we're gonna pull you out we're gonna I'm gonna pull you out by myself like I don't think he I don't think he's been doing that recently I think that's something he needs to start doing um I saw Musiala played really well um but again it goes back to the goes back to the same problem from the Brighton game, which is just, they're literally ghosting in behind the two who are supposed to be protecting the back four. Like, um, Casemiro and Ericsson, it's like they're not even there. Do you know what I mean? Literally. And, um, yeah, no, I thought, I thought um, Bayern weren't as good as I kind of expected them to be against you, to be honest. I thought they'd be actually a bit better. But at the same time, I don't think you guys played well either. I think before the game, I saw Ten Hag saying stuff like, um, Davies isn't a great defender. Pelistri can sort of match him. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just set him, set him up. Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like right now it's just a bit like it seems like a bit of lack of planning. And I saw I can't remember her name, but I think I saw her on Sky Sports or Football Daily, and she was 
um, she's a pundit, I forgot her name. If it ever comes to me, I'll mention it. But um, she was speaking about how clubs are like a representation. Like the football you see on the pitch is a representation of everything else at the club, on and off. Mm. And she was comparing Manchester United and Brighton. She's like, when you look at Brighton on the pitch, the way they play is like, everything is kind of like more organised, like not just the tactical style, but like the, the football they show is like, it's good. It's genuine. It's like positive football. It's, it's you know, stuff that you like to see. And it's sort of a reflection. They said it's all sort of like a hierarchy. So it starts from the top with the owners and the yeah. directors and the board and everything. Then it goes to the manager and the coaches and everything. Then it goes down to the players, like the recruitment, everything, it all goes down. And what you see on the pitch is a representation of everything else that's led up to it. And she compared it to Man United and said, when you look at what's going on with things like having so many like statements and stuff like that, um, yeah. you've got things like- the ownership. Yeah. Like when you look at all these things that's going on, you look at the ownership, the recruitment, the signings that they're making, like everything sort of trickles down. And when you see the football on the pitch, it looks kind of like, I would say disorganised. Like it looks kind of like there's a lack of planning, which is not what you'd expect. Like after so long, you'd expect there to be planning or that they would have like learned from the mistakes from like the, you know, Pogba, Lukaku, um, Sanchez sort of days back then when sign peer players would sign and get misprofiled and it wouldn't work out like you'd expect that yeah. from then they would have learned and now it's a new manager it's sort of like the culture is still sort of the same so I don't know um, it's going to be interesting how the season goes I think it's, it's going to be really interesting because at the moment it's not looking good so if you guys manage to turn around it'll be interesting as to why you turn it around yeah I think for me I agree with everything you said there um, and that's why I'm not too um, harsh on Ten Hag. I've seen people kind of talk about like oh, how many games until Ten Hag is job is under threat, and I'm like, we're you know, what I mean, we're jumping the gun a bit here. I think if you look at what he's had to deal with in his first season, and then now just in the beginning of this season, like it's chaos. You know, two of his attackers have to, you know, he can't he can't use them for whatever reason. Um, obviously, you've got the thing with the ownership even looming over his head like the whole time at the club pretty much um and our injury crisis like i think obviously we're we're not playing well right now but i think when when we get guys like Varane back mount back and rat back we will improve like i'm not sure to what level but we will definitely improve and once we have better players on the pitch um so i think some of the some of the comments on tenaga are a bit are a bit too bit too early for me but um each to their own but moving on to moving on to city obviously um, what what have you what have you made of City so far this season? Same old man. Can't complain. We're mm. getting the three points, but some sometimes these performances, man, like it's crazy. And Harlan recently, boy, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough. It's been <laughs> tough. He's, he's going through his rough patch right now. Like he's just been missing so many chances. But to be fair to him, which is what a thing that is quite funny is that. Whenever we're playing against these teams, they're dropping like their goalkeepers dropping like the best performance of their life. Like Ariola, when, when we played when we played West Ham, Ariola dropped one of the craziest performances I've seen like <laughs> in the last two years. Like he was insane. Like it was it's just fake. And then the same thing against a Red Star Belgrade, like incredible. Like oh, I do think yeah. I do think there's there's chances like he should be scoring like a good 70% of those chances, and he normally does. Um, but still, like, the goalkeepers are playing out of their mind on top of that. Like, it's crazy to me, but hopefully it's not too long until we be back scoring again. Um, 
also another thing I do think is that something that I kind of realised over the weekend actually was that Pep, I feel like Pep doesn't, I feel like Pep sees Haaland as a guarantee and I compare it to the way he sees Foden as well. And it's sort of like, uh, Pep sees Haaland as, he knows, he obviously knows who Haaland is because he's like probably the best player profiler there, but he understands his qualities. But in the side, he sort of sees him as Haaland will score no matter what. So he builds the rest of the side and sort of leaves Haaland out of it. And then like the ball will come into the box, so Haaland will put it away. But yeah. I feel like if you play to Haaland, you can, he can score a lot more. We can win games a lot easier, I think. And I still think there's okay. ways to do that while still sort of prioritising, keeping hold of the ball, controlling the game, this sort of defensive style we have where we just keep the ball forever and don't give it to the opposition and limit turnovers. I feel like you can still play that style of football while giving the ball to Haaland. And I think it's something that Pep sort of, Pep sort of has, like, obviously, who am I to disagree with him in it? But, like, I think that, I think that it's possible for us to win games easier, if that makes sense. Like, if you give yeah. Haaland what, K, what, when KDB was there, what KDB would do is KDB would give him the long ball. Like, for example, his uh, second goal ever for us was against West Ham. And, KDB just plays it through Haaland's one on one of the keeper slots. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't even think he dribbled that. Like, he just first time finished it. Yeah, first, first just adjust his body. Yeah. And just, those are the type of chances that Haaland thrives on. It's what he was getting most of the time in the Bundesliga. I think rather than having the ball come from the sides when he's already in the box, I think those ones, he's he's obviously still really good at it, but yeah. he's a bit worse, if that makes sense. Like he's really like he's a lot better at those ones where it's like put the ball through, he'll be one-on-one -on -one the keeper and take one touch and he'll put it away first time. Like, those are his sort of chances. And I feel like I see it the same with Foden where because Foden's so good and Foden's so versatile, it's like, even now, um, we have Alvarez who's in good form at the moment. If KDB's to come back, um, it's not going to be uh, Foden and Alvarez as 10s anymore with this sort of yeah. uh, Foden coming from right wing into the midfield. It's going to be Foden out wide Alvarez out and KDB in and Foda's just going to go back to the wing or something. Like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like, I don't know, I feel like it's like, I don't want to say that he takes them for granted, but I feel like it's, it's a thing where he sort of sees them as they can do the job, other people can't, so they're just going to have to do it. When I feel like yeah. if you play to these guys' strengths specifically, you can win the games a lot easier and quicker, I think, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, um, Doku's really been exciting as well. Uh, yeah. I think he's a real breath of uh, fresh air. Uh, one of my favorite dribblers. Before he signed, I did say I think he's, probably, I think he's the second best in the world uh, in terms of dribbling. <laughs> I, the only person I put over him is Neymar at the moment because I love mm. Neymar as a dribbler. I think he's yeah. unreal in tight space and everything. But yeah, real breath of fresh air. Uh, he surprised me a lot because he has sort of, he's he's not like a, a Martinelli or Rashford in the sense of. He's, his decision-making in terms of holding on to the ball is better than what I'd expect from a direct... Oh, retaining the ball, yeah. Yeah, like he holds on to the ball more. Like he, he he will see two players and other players will see two players and beat one and then lose the ball to the second one. But he will maybe see, okay, there's two here. Let me play it back and then go again when I only have one. Like he sort of understands the sort mm. of risk-reward, which I really am impressed with. On, uh, on that, do you, think, do you think that he could potentially kind of make Jack Grealish almost redundant if he if he's good enough both in terms of retention and then obviously beating his man and providing that X factor in a 1v1 
do you think that there's a there's a world where Doku is just starting over Grealish? I give it a season max. I think he definitely yeah, definitely. But one thing I will say though is I don't think he would even make Jack Grealish redundant. I think they'll both play. I think it'll be him okay. on the right and Grealish on the left. But if if it was mm. if it was to come down to maybe Foden on the wing and Foden's playing right wing, then I think he would make Jack Grealish hit the bench, honestly, because he's really? that good, he's that direct. He's not got the same level of sort of IQ and retention, sort of creativity as well as Grealish, but he is getting there. Like he's only 21, he's gonna learn a lot quicker. And he's already yeah. learned so much. So yeah, I'd say so. What about you? Did you watch any of the the C games? Yeah, yeah. I, w- I watched the, the game against West Ham. Um man, I mean West Ham West Ham took the lead in that one though. Yeah, Will Prowse, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, Will Prowse. Yeah. And I think for me the whole time I even knew I knew City were gonna win. Like it's just at this point it's it's kind of it's just routine. Harland had, I think he Harland must have had four or five chances in that game that he could have put away, honestly. Yeah, no, honestly, it was, it was ridiculous. But I mean, the chances kept coming. I saw um there was a adjustment in the second half against West Ham as well. I yeah. noticed that I think helped you guys um in the second half. It was Walker, Walker coming inside and Foden was more yeah. wide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Guardiola, yeah. And I think that helped you guys, and that's obviously good to see Pep able to adjust and overcome. And yeah, man, I don't know. You guys are just, you guys are just scaring. Um, it's just win after win. Like even if, even if Haaland is not scoring, yeah. you guys still have the goals and the creativity in there anyway. But like, it doesn't matter. You've got Alvarez there, who's going to put the ball in the back in there. You've got Foden who couldn't do his thing, and you've got these creators around him that um, can can create chances for for anyone. So yeah, but one thing that I did want to ask you actually was, um, in terms of the play style so far this season, obviously it's a bit different from last season. Um, do you? Have a preference? Do you prefer this this style this season, or do you prefer last season that that won the treble? In terms of like entertainment um, and effectiveness, like for you, I probably I think I prefer this this style, but it needs to be worked on. Like I like the way it's going, but I think it just needs to be worked on. Like Kevin De Bruyne, hopefully when he comes back, if he's back like to his best again, or at least like seventy percent of that, and he's playing in the Alvarez role, a Foden coming from the right wing inside, Walker high and wide. Like I feel like that sort of the way it's set up now, if you like, maybe give us to like December, January, and it starts clicking like properly. Because even now, it's not clicking, and we're winning games. When it when it actually starts clicking yeah. properly, I think that's when I'll say definitely this is what I prefer than than uh, last season, in my opinion. What about you? What do you think okay. of so far in terms of place? Um, for me, I think I probably I probably agree with this season in terms of for me preference. I think I like Foden in the spaces that he's in. Um, I like Doku, uh, big fan of him. And I know, I don't know, you, I think on in a previous episode, you say you didn't like Alvarez in behind Haaland, but I kind of like it. I don't know. I, I think I think I think KDB's better, but I, I like I like Alvarez in there. I like his profile. So yeah, why why don't you like that, to be fair? I, I still don't like it because the reason I don't like it is because last season he wasn't he was playing as more of like a second striker like how kdb yeah. was last season was a proper second striker but this season he's dropping a lot deeper like he's being tasked with like receiving between the lines and stuff and i don't like that i don't think it's mm. where he's excelling like i feel like he does a lot better on the last line of defense rather than in between the lines so i don't like him there um a lot of the games this season it's been like um he'll be receiving the ball there and take like a heavy first touch or something and lose it or like 
Yeah. Just be clunky. Like, he'll make the wrong decision. And he isn't a midfielder. Like, he's a striker. That's his job. And I feel like yeah. he needs to be sort of... I don't know. I understand why he's playing there, to be honest. Like, I understand... With everything, I sort of understand, like, what the thinking is with Pep. Like, it's kind of like... Um, with Alvarez, you replace, like, Gundogan's, like, box instincts and sort of, like, ball striking, which you got from KDB. Yeah. And then with Foden, you replace that sort of half-turn ability as well. But I feel like... I don't know. I don't really like him as deep as he is. If he was playing a bit high, like, a bit close to Haaland, I'd probably prefer it. But I think now he's getting on the ball too deep, in my opinion. Mm. But nah, that's, that's, that's that's like four goals and four assists so far, so he's doing more, I guess. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So... Yeah, do you know what I mean? I wish I could complain about stuff like that. <laughs> another another thing I noticed from the West Ham game, uh, two midfielders. Uh, one is um, Paqueta. I, didn't, yeah. I wasn't really too big on Paqueta before. I think I said it before when he was really. Into, yeah, I didn't really see it with him, but when I watched that game, I saw it. He's he's he, well, he was so, in that in that first half. He was so good for West Ham. Serious serious midfielder. When I was watching, I think I put out a tweet. I was like Paquette, like United should sign Paqueta, like. Instead of the money they spent on Mount, they should have got Paqueta. I think he will do whatever job you want Mount to do and whatever job Ericsson's doing, he will do it better than both of them, I think, in my opinion. Mm, I think I like a Paqueta, Amrabat, Bruno sort of midfield, I think that's that's a mm. serious midfield. That's something I can look at and be like, wow, okay. I care behind that, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's I good. He's just it. expensive at the moment, but... I think it's because it was a bit of a late, late bid. I think if you go into like mm. next June and offer like 70 more, I think he'll go. Like, I think yeah. he's a really good, really good midfielder. And the other midfielder um, got his Champions League debut against Red Star, Nunes. Really, really impressive. Oh, yeah. Really impressive. He sort of just looked like, like he kind of just looked like at home. Like, I thought Kovacic was a good partner for Rodri, but he kind of looked like a better partner, to be honest. A bit more physically imposing. Um, yeah, covered ground well. I think he's a solid, really, really solid midfielder. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Pep, Pep was he came out and he said a couple of things that he had to improve on, like his first touch. I think yeah. some of his working tight spaces, but it does look like he's he's adapted quite well uh, to life at City. And yeah. you know, Guardiola's only going to improve him. This is what he does with these types of players. So you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of where where he can take him in the long run. Um, mm. But moving on, um, Liverpool. Who could be? Who could be realistically uh, rivals for you guys this season in the title charge? I don't know the way they're looking so far. Obviously, undefeated start to the season. Um, I uh, I watched the game against Wolves. Um, I w- I'm I'm not gonna lie. I feel like in the first half, I don't know Liverpool are a bit Liverpool are a bit. They're a bit. They're a bit shaky. I feel like it. But I feel like it was what we've expected from them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Pedro Neto was doing well. In the wide areas and crying as well they scored early um and on the transition they were just i think that's where you really saw liverpool's weaknesses in mid- midfield Wolves were just it was it was similar to the to the man united game actually where Wolves play man united at old Trafford, the way they were just able to run through the midfield and uh get create chances in transition over and over again that first half yeah. and i think i think Wolves should have taken taken more of those chances they could have been two or three goals up if they had more more clinical players i think and there was one chance for Mateus Cunard, uh, Pedro Neto done um, done really well down the down the wing, and then he lifted it in. Yeah. It was literally perfect for him, and he jumped for no reason, and yeah. he kind of uh, put off his balance, or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I was I was really impressed with Neto this in this game. I think 
he's looking like he's back um, to his level during lockdown before he got the the injury and stuff. Um, yeah. Cause he was out. I think he was out for like 15 months with like two or three injuries back to back. It was yeah. unfortunate, but he, he still looks to kind of have that burst, that pace. And, um, you know, obviously he's quick. He can go either way. He can play off the left, off the right. Um, good creatively and he's got he's got a goal in him as well so yeah to be honest Man United looking for right wingers I think I'd, I'd definitely take Pedro Neto throwing a, a cheeky I don't know cheeky cheeky 40-50 mil bid see what yeah. we'll see yeah no, but, um, obviously yeah and then obviously in the in the second half I think it's it's the other thing I've been saying about Liverpool so far this season is that they're just going to outscore teams like the the quality they have up front is too much I think for them to kind of um, they can struggle in these games, but it's almost like what, what you were saying on the episode last last week or two weeks ago is that they have the match winners. Um, and you saw Salah against Wolves two assists. I think he's he's really actually taken on more of a creative role this this season so far. I think that's four for him now in the Premier. I think he's pretty sure he's top joint top most assists with yeah. Net. I think they both have four. Yeah. So yeah, I know that's that's interesting that he's adding that to his to his kind of offensive bag. And like when you've got the new forwards coming in, it'd be good for him to. It's going to be good for him to kind of share the goals around and stuff and create as well as score. But mm. um, yeah, obviously Liverpool do it again. What do you, What do you think of their performance against Wolves? Um, it's something that and someone noticed on Twitter. Like uh, when Pep like speaks about teams, like he speaks about Arsenal or like like United or whoever he speaks about. When he speaks about Liverpool, he doesn't really talk about. Like, like a tactical side, like he always talks about their mentality. Like that's all like he bangs on mm. about. Like no matter how bad I think Liverpool playing, Pep always like mentions their mentality, their mentality. And I think you see it like even today in Europa League, they went down 1-0 and then they came back yeah. at 1-3-1. Like it's just like no matter where they are, it's like they're never really out. And I feel like, I don't know how, I don't know really why, to be honest. It's hard to explain like why they just come back for in games, but they just do and... Yeah, that's it. To be honest, they just come back whenever, and they do what you did say they would, which is outscore people. I think Salah's really getting back to his best now as well. Yeah, properly turning up again. Like this is the the sort of Salah that I used to see, like like twenty eighteen ish around those mm. times, like proper. And now he's even got the playmaking bag. Like he's really he's really playing a lot better than I thought he would. So yeah, fair play to him. And um, yeah, Liverpool are doing it. So far, I guess um, I think Diaz has looked all right to be honest as well. Uh, yeah, after the injury struggled a bit, but to start of the season, Diaz has looked pretty good as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. They they could, you know, they could seriously become uh, title rivals. And Arsenal, Arsenal are kind of like I don't know. I wouldn't say the complete opposite of them, but Arsenal are sort of like in a space where they don't really have that sort of mentality to like close out games. Like, yeah. It's sort of like everything's a bit shaky, whereas Liverpool are like playing horrible or defending horrible, going down at half time and coming back and winning the whole game like convincingly. Yeah, like it's it could be interesting to see how it goes this season if Arsenal end up slipping and dropping points and Liverpool just keep going. Like, you never know what can happen in it. Yeah, no, I think Liverpool really and as well because a lot of their players have been kind of in title race scenarios, I feel like them picking up these wins is just going to help them build momentum and momentum and they could really become a force. Um, I am excited to see them kind of um, face up against teams like teams like Spurs, teams like City, teams mm. like Arsenal to see how that midfield really works. Um, 
when you've got, well, I don't know if Endo will start, but if he's going to play McAllister and then yeah. Trent kind of tuck in, and I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Klopp should adapt then, but I'm not sure if he will, because as yeah. you kind of mentioned in previous episodes, he's kind of plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, it's plan A harder, so I don't know. Yeah. But I feel, like, I feel like they could get exposed in those games, and if something doesn't change, maybe that could be the reason they fall off, but right now they're, they're looking great, to be honest. I think sometimes it's just the, like the intangibles as well. Like I don't know how to describe it, but it's like with Arsenal, if you sort of like just I don't. It's weird. Like it's not directly something you can like quantify properly. Like you can't really note it down to anything. But I feel like it's sort of like just don't want to say the aura, but like the way that the team is. Like for example, in the title run in last season, when Arsenal started dropping points, everything around the club was sort of like. I don't know, it felt like they were scared, even though they're like six points ahead. It felt like they were scared of like what's gonna happen next. Like yeah. I don't know, it just didn't seem like like I don't know, but I feel like Liverpool is like the opposite. Like Liverpool play horrible and their fans are still like we're the best team in the league, like other than City. Like mm. we're we're gonna win the title this season, like we're, we're here. Yeah. And the manager believes it too. It feels like their player believes it, the players believe mm. it as well. The ownership are sort of like I don't know, it's it's weird, but it's like the whole club, like you can you can feel it from the pitch to the top, to the fans, you can feel it everywhere. It's like, sort of like, we're Liverpool. Like, we don't back down. Like, no matter what, if all our players are injured, we're still going to go. And like, you yeah. against Newcastle, Van Dijk got a red card and they win the game. Like, St. Mm. James' Park is not an easy place to get a winner and they got a win there with yeah. 10 men. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it sort of like translates to everything. And I feel like with like Arsenal, for example, they don't have that sort of, I feel like you can feel the sort of like, the fear from like the fans, you can feel it on the pitch. You can feel it sort of higher up. It's sort of I don't know. It's yeah. hard to explain, but like you can sort of feel it. It's a bit weird. I feel like I feel like it's like a it's like a big club mentality type thing that Liverpool have. Yeah. Like they know that they belong here, and this is you know we're here to challenge for titles and Champions Leagues. Like we're not yeah. messing about. This is not a we're not we're not just happy to be here. If we're in these positions, we expect to win. And I think yeah. um, obviously you see that you see that as you said in the in the. From the top to the bottom to the fans mm. in the in the stadium and stuff and in their in their performances um but on to arsenal though i feel like their game against uh everton on the weekend they kind of showed a bit of a bit of resilience there i don't think they played particularly well in that match um especially in the in the first i don't think to be fair arsenal this season have um set the world alight with this new kind of system that Arteta is playing with Obviously, yeah. the kind of the big things ahead of the Everton game were that Havertz was finally dropped um, yeah. after his his run of performances. Um, at Vieira given a start, and then um, Raya starting a goal um, over Ramsdale. Um, and yeah, what do you what do you what do you make of those those changes? Tell me for Arsenal. Um, I didn't I didn't watch the game, but I would say I'd say starting with the Havertz thing, I really, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I don't think Havertz is good. Like, I, I just don't think he's good. Yeah. But I think the way Arteta was talking about it was as if, like, Havertz is going to get there eventually. Like, I'm going to stick with him. Like, him, Odegaard yeah. and Rice, this is our, like, trio. Like, we're going to sort it out. Don't worry, it's coming. Like, yeah. And then he dropped him and Vieira is just, just, like, playing much better than him when he's coming off the bench and everything. So it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's quite interesting quite interesting to see the way like he's going about it now um as for the rest of the team in general uh i don't think they've played well this season either i think the new system they're playing now is sort of i don't know 
I personally, I don't think it's it's good profiling of some players. Like, uh, yeah. for example, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's good to play maybe Gabriel where he's being played right now. I don't think that really suits him. Uh, I don't think yeah. Saka and Martinelli either. I don't think they're suited there. And I think that's why you're seeing Saka score a lot less or play a lot worse than he was like last season in like December, well, December November times. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I think Martinelli got an injury, didn't he, in the last game? Yeah, yeah, he came off in like the in the thirtieth minute, and he he was actually looking he was actually looking pretty good um, until yeah. then as well. He got a disallowed goal. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Right. but yeah, yeah, no, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next uh, with um, the goalkeeping situation as well. Because I've seen some rumors that apparently uh, Raya's Arteta's preferred goalkeeper, and that's something that I've mm. had for for quite a while. Like I haven't really watched lots of Raya like individually, like watching Brentford for the goalkeeper. I haven't done that. Because I don't usually do that unless it's like player like scouting, and I don't yeah. really like I haven't been interested in him. But I feel like for I, I've seen the comments about Arteta saying he wants to have two quality um, players in every position, like he wants them to have to earn their place, whatever, whatever. But I feel like with goalkeepers, even though he said that, I feel like with goalkeepers it's just rubbish. Like I, I, I ain't buying that, man. I ain't yeah, buying like that. I, I feel like with goalkeepers. Goalkeepers are such a crucial part, especially of build-up as well, that you don't mm. like to change them around too much. Like, for example, when we have Edison, Edison's left-footed. So when if someone needs to drop into the back line, the way that the centre-backs drop in with Edison is different to the way they drop in with Ortega. And you can see it when we play with Ortega, when we play with Edison, there's clear differences in the build-up. Like, it's a lot slower, yeah. clunky, it's nowhere near as smooth, because it's not as, like, familiar yet, because he hasn't played enough games, obviously. Um, I feel like to be chopping and changing keepers is a bit weird. And after the Everton game, he played Raya. And he played um, the Champions League game against PSV, he played Raya again. Uh, the rumours that Arteta is going for Raya now, it makes a lot more sense um, than the whole sort of two two goalkeepers are going to compete over the season. I think they've got the North London derby now. Um, yeah. If Raya starts that game, I think it's, it's sealed. Like, I think that he is the number one. Mm. And... To us, I'm not sure how much better he is than Ramsdale, but I think with a goalkeeper specifically, um, if you're going to sign a player, it's always going to be an upgrade. You don't sign, yeah. play, unless it's to be your backup and you don't have a, a good enough backup and you want to get rid of your backup. I think if you're signing uh, a good goalkeeper, like you're spending 30 million on a goalkeeper, I don't think you pay 30 million for a backup goalkeeper. Like it just doesn't happen because goalkeepers never yeah. in any way. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Raya then, see if he's really if he's the real deal for real, because um, yeah, I haven't seen much of him recently, but apparently he had a really good performance against the uh, PSV. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, from from what I've seen of Raya, really, um, maybe when he was at Brentford, obviously, I I don't know, I don't really see him as that much of an upgrade on Ramsdale, but there's clearly something that Arteta sees in him um, that will make the difference over what Ramsdale has to offer. Um, so and yeah, and I agree that if if he starts the North London derby, I think North London derby is at the Emirates as well. If he starts that game on Sunday, I think Arteta has clearly made the decision and he'll be the yeah. number one going forward. But what, yeah, you were gonna say? Yeah, now I was, was gonna say what uh, I've seen actually. What I've seen people say is that um, Raya's a bit more commanding. Like Ramsdale's mm-hmm. obviously vocal. Like you see him on the pitch talking and shouting at players. But apparently, yeah. it's sort of like a sort of Allison sort of thing where he sweeps up better. 
claims crosses better and commands. That's not what I'm saying, but that's oh, what right. I've seen. I've seen that as the reasoning, apparently, that Arteta's going for um, going for Rio over Ramsdale is that he's sort of more okay. commanding. Like, you see, sometimes Ramsdale will come out and, like, flap out a corner or something. It's just a mm. bit, like, it's a bit, like, sort of unsteady. And apparently Raya's a bit more, like, commanding and secure. So, yeah, it makes sense, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough then. Um, and, yeah, obviously those are things that are quite important in goalkeepers anyway, from set pieces and stuff like that, and can make the difference at the highest level in games, in, like, Champions League and stuff like that. So, that's fair enough. We just, we just have to see. But, um, obviously, looking forward at the North London derby this weekend, Arsenal-Spurs. Spurs have been playing well this season. Um, Arsenal, not so much, but obviously still getting the job done. What do you think, um, looking in this game, where do you think this game is going to be won? Because because for me, I think, um, obviously, I don't, I don't, I think Arsenal have a better front freedom than Spurs if Saka and Martinelli are playing their best, but Martinelli now might be injured, so I'd assume probably Trossard will start on the left. Um, yeah, so I'd say Arsenal have a better front three if they're all firing, but so far in the system, they've not been at the same level they have been last season. And I think I feel like this game, the battle will be mainly decided in that midfield. Um, Declaration has been great for Arsenal since he's uh, signed, in my opinion. And it's going to be going to be interesting because obviously Madison's been great for Tottenham since he signed. It's going to be interesting to see how they kind of deal with each other there. And then you've got Sarr and Basuma as well for, uh, for Spurs that have started the season well. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think about this game going forward? What do you think is going to be one or loss? Definitely the midfield, but I think also, I think it depends on Tottenham a lot, and I think it depends if Havertz plays or not. Mm. Those are the two things I think. I think if Havertz doesn't play, they're a bit more threatening in like attacking midfield. I think they'll get more chances for the wide players because uh, Tottenham like to invert their fullbacks and like step in yeah. the midfield a bit. So I feel like there's a lot of space. Like something I've seen already in Spurs games is they give a lot of chances like out wide, like in behind and the wide. They concede a lot of chances. Mm. And obviously they have dangerous players. They have Saka, Trossard, uh, they have Jesus as well who drift out there. But in the midfield, it's going to be serious, man. Serious. I think it's going to be a serious footballing, footballing display. Like you've got yeah. Saar, Declan Rice, like Basuma, like that's serious midfield mm, play ballers yeah real real proper traditional midfield english midfielders those, those <laughs> english midfielders that get in there and win their get stuck in yeah yeah proper. like it's going to be a proper display so it'll be interesting uh especially because um arsenal at home really interesting what happened mm. there because uh first north london w about kane um, yeah it's going to be really interesting there um if they can get behind like if Son and, and other, I'm not sure if they're going to start Johnson or Solomon or who they're going to start at left wing. Um, yeah. But if Son and whoever their left wing is going to be and Kulisevsky are going to be able to get in behind um, the likes of Saliba and that, like, it's going to be really interesting matchup. Also, um, Adogi, I want to see him go up against Saka. I think that's going to be a great matchup. Yeah. Adogi, I think Adogi's going to do, I think he's going to do well against him, Adogi. Yeah. I think so too. I think if, that's what I'm saying, Havertz. I think if Havertz plays, I think he'll do great. Because yeah, um, I think with Havert, if Havertz plays, I don't have faith in his playmaking ability to play those sort of balls in behind the fullbacks for the winners to get onto. I think if Vieira plays, Vieira will find those passes and he will give mm. them to Saka and Trossard and and those. And then you'll 
for some Romero and uh, I think Van der Ven's going to start. Van der Ven to go a bit wider and it's just going to yeah. stretch the fence a bit. But no, I think it'll be interesting. I think if I had to go for a score, 2-2, two, 2-2 two, two, two probably, or maybe potentially a 3-2, but probably 2-2, two, two, I think. I think, I, mm, I don't know, someone is telling me 2-1, I think Arsenal win at home. But I don't think I don't think they'll necessarily deserve to win based on the performance. You think? I don't know. I think no, I could, no. I don't know. I, I feel like I could see I could see maybe because Arsenal are a bit sloppy at home. Tottenham scoring first and then Arsenal kind of coming back late late winner like almost like against United, yeah. similar to that type of type of performance. But I think Spurs will put up a better performance at the Emirates. Um, I will play well. But yeah, it'll be interesting, obviously. First, first North London derby that you said about Kane. So, you know what I mean? Someone's going to have to step up for them. So, then moving on, um, we've got Newcastle. Obviously, kicked off their Champions League campaign on Tuesday. They played against AC Milan at a San Siro. Nil-nil. What do you think of this game? Because I'm not going to lie, for me, uh, going into it, I watched the um, Milan derby over the weekend and... Bro, the way the way Milan got packed into work, running right there, it was it was mad. And I was yeah. like, I was like, if I'm if I'm a Newcastle fan right now, this is great. This is exactly what I need going into this game. Like, um, and I would have, I would have, I don't know, I would have, I would have been confident. But obviously, nil nil. I feel like Milan were the better team. They showed more going forward um, against Newcastle, but that's a, it's a big result for Newcastle. Getting a point out of San Siro away from home in the Champions League, um, especially considering who else is in that group. So, but yeah, what, what do you think of this game if you call it? I said, as you said, yeah, I found this game so boring. This game nah, it was <laughs> the game, the PSG Dortmund game, snooze fest, man. There's clones, like just the same game over and over. It's boring. Mm. But um, yeah, I think Milan played well. Um, I think it was, it was hilarious to see like Jacob Murphy. Started in Champions League, like it just bro. Did you see? Did you see the um, his yeah, face yeah. The, when they were playing the anthem, bro? You couldn't nah, believe, couldn't it, believe bro. it. He couldn't believe it. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Jacob Murphy and, and Longstaff and those guys. Like it's funny to see those starting mm. Champions League. Um, I thought Gordon played uh, all right in the first half. And yeah. I don't know. It was um, it's a bit of an interesting one with, with Newcastle, to be honest. Didn't really see much from them. But at the same time, Milan, it's like, their team's not great either, but they didn't really punch them. Leal had a really good, like, yeah. two... It, he had, like, two two scenarios where he did really well, but just didn't score. Or, like, the goal, it just didn't come from a goal. I think that dribble he did, he did a back heel, that just annoyed yeah, me. Yeah, like, oh, my days. Like, <laughs> really if you just slot that into nah, the goal, that, that's a highlight. He, he, he should he should have just shot. He done enough, but I I can't I kind of respect going for the back heel, bro. Like I, yeah, I really that, a little that, bit. That's right? the type of stuff that's that you see, like like you know when you see like Zidane and Luis Figo highlights. From, like, yeah, two yeah, yeah. Two. Like, that's the type of thing. And they're, and they're going crazy, yeah, and the clips all grainy and that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I'll be honest, I hear it, but if you mm. done all of that and slotted it home, like come on, like so yeah, no, nah, it was a highlight enough if you just put it away, but yeah, yeah. but nah. Um, I don't know, just a bit of a boring game to be honest. Like, they haven't. I've looked at Bruno played well either. Bruno Guimaraes, I don't think he played well. They're having a bit of a um, they're having a bit of a problem, which I kind of thought they would, which is where 
the bench is a big drop off from um yeah, the definitely. starting eleven. Like Longstaff and Murphy playing is a big, big drop off. Well, Murphy, I wouldn't say as much as a drop off from Almiron, but I think like um playing Longstaff instead of like a Joe Linton or Willock is a, is quite a big drop off in my opinion. And I don't yeah. know, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they do with two games a week now. Um because another injury and it could be scary hours, man. It really could be scary hours. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Thought, I think, yeah, yeah, and no, I think their their strength and depth is definitely, or their lack of strength and depth is def- definitely what could um, catch them out this season with the Champions League, and obviously the Premier League. They're going to be looking to get top five at least again this season. So, yeah, no, I one one thing I did notice here is is a problem that I have with Leao, right? So mm. with Leao, um, basically how wait, okay. I've got actually. I was thinking about it in depth because I've I've been for a while. Like, I have a problem with Leal. Like, there's a reason I don't like him. Or not that I don't you, like you've him. Been, you've, you've been a Leal hater, man. Like, yeah, I, remember, no. I remember. I remember early. You early. You was on it. You were repping him. You were like, this guy's baby Henri, and then all of a sudden he's just gone off him. Like, nah, I love I love Leal. Like as a player, like I love watching him, but I have some problems with him. So the notes that I made is that okay. I'll read. I'll read basically what I what I wrote. So here I've got. Basically, I feel like he's a low usage player. Like he doesn't do yeah. enough in a game. So he can produce moments of magic, like the ones that um, we saw with that dribble. And I think a cross he played really good. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do it enough. And I can, and I feel like he's con- he's inconsistent. Not in terms of like performances, but in the ninety minutes he's inconsistent. And it's okay. like something um, something I compared when I was writing it was that if you compare it to Rashford, for example. When Rashford gets the ball one v one for winger, like if you if you give Rashford Trippier one on one, he's get, he's saying give me the ball every time. Like no matter who's yeah. there, he's going at him, and eventually mm-hmm. he will get past him and put a ball in the yeah. box. No matter how bad the decision is, he's going to do it. <laughs> and I feel like Leal, like I think Leal's better than Rashford in like in terms of like peak for peak, like on his day, like just pure ability, purely ability. I think Leal is so much better than Rashford, but it's like he That's doesn't. Fair. He doesn't have that sort of like hunger to like kill the fullback. Do you know what I mean? Like Trippier had mm. a pretty good game against him, which is like Trippier is not a really good defender. Like Leal's a really yeah. good dribbler. Like he should be killing him. And I did say, um, I feel like if he could do that and demand the ball and be hungry to kill his fullback every time, like that's when you could start getting into the sort of Mbappe sort of combos, like top, top, elite left wingers. Yeah. I feel like if you look at someone like Vinicius Jr., I don't think Vinny's a as skilled as Leal. Like, Leal's a really good creator from, like, passing and crossing. Uh, he's quite a good finisher too. Strong runner, great dribbler, direct. Yeah. Like, he's really good, but it's like, he doesn't have that sort of intent. We look at someone like Doku, for example. Doku gets the ball against Kufal, and he's trying to send him all sorts of ways. He's trying to do yeah. that. Right. He's trying to go. Vinny the same. Vinny, no matter what mm. the scenario is, give Vinny the ball, and he's going to attack the fullback. Yeah. And it's, Mbappe has that hunger too, which is why he's a big like cap, gap away from Leao. I feel like if Leao had that sort of Vinny mm-hmm. Doku intensity and, and like intent to wanna you know kill the fullback every time, he'd be in that conversation. And I spoke to my friend about it, and he said apparently Leao used to be a striker. At, um, okay. When he was in the academy, so apparently mm-hmm. he's never really been a winger, so he's never really sort of learned that sort of you know sort of like touchline winger like sort of inverted yeah. style of play which is why okay. 
you see him a lot closer to Giroud and linking up with Giroud in sort of like the half space a lot and playing them little one-twos and stuff. And he also has um, uh, Theo overlapping a lot because he's sort of yeah. he's sort of like a second striker playing on the wing, if that makes sense. Like he doesn't really have the sort of winger okay. to him. And when you when you see it to his game, it's like it sort of makes sense. Like he barely he barely does anything really, but like when he does something, you know it's going to be amazing. And the last yeah. time I really saw him like have that sort of intent and be like, give me the ball, like I'm going, like I'm gonna drag this team by myself. Probably against and, Napoli, right? Yeah, Napoli. Yeah. You did it and you saw the magic. Like he can do that all the time, but I don't know why he doesn't. That's that's my issue yeah. with him. I feel like he needs to have that. I don't care about running intensity or working hard off the ball. Like, I don't care about that stuff. I think he just needs to mm. demand the ball as the best player on the team and say, I'm going to, like, create something, get in the box. I'm going to do it. And I don't think he does that enough. If he does that more, he could be so much better than he is. So, so much better. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I think I think I agree. I think if you look at Leal and his attributes, he's probably got everything you would want in a winger in the modern mm. game, which is why, for me, it's surprising that you said that. He never really played on the wing because yeah. he can he can go his man, he can beat his man, go inside, outside. He's an amazing crosser of the ball, both left foot and right foot. Um yeah. obviously he's tall, he's strong, he's fast, um, can get into the right areas in the box, can score goals, can score, has good movement as well. I think that's one thing that's a bit underrated. Like he can yeah. score the the simple goals and the wonder goals where he takes a shot from distance or he dribbles in that of a few players and stuff yeah. like that. So I think he's he's probably like He's one of the more one of the more complete wingers in the game right now, but I yeah, do agree definitely. that I do agree that um, I think I think it's just I don't know sometimes his his I mean he's just a bit casual on the pitch, but like for me I don't know I, I like it because then it's like when he gets the ball as you said you know he's gonna do like if when he gets the ball and he's gonna do something you know it's gonna be good, but mm. I don't know I think he's just, he's just a he's just a different type of player that's the way he is that's the way he kind of mm. is his. His, his character, his personality, because, I mean, I don't know, if you look off the pitch as well, he seems like a very, like, casual guy. And I think he just kind of puts that onto the pitch as well, which I can agree with you. I feel like, I don't know, unless that changes, that might be a reason why he doesn't, you know, reach maybe the levels that you say, like a, a Vinny yeah. Or, yeah. or an Mbappe. Because I think he can, with his attributes, like, there's no reason why he can't, and his and his, his attributes and his physical, like, capabilities, there's no reason why he can't be up there. But, um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of more... Mm. Yeah, no, something I compared it to, and I was thinking about was like um, with Rashford. Rashford could be having a terrible game, but if I'm playing against you guys, I'm always scared of that Rashford counter attack. Like especially if Carl Walker's not mm. playing, I'm scared of that Rashford over the top ball. Rashford will go there. When yeah. I watch Leal, if I'm like in the view of the opposite team, I feel like I'm not always scared of that. Like I'm only scared when Leal mm. gets the ball in a dangerous area, and it's like, okay, now might be the moment of magic. But I'm never scared of that constant threat in behind from him or that constant yeah. threat of he's going to isolate the fullback. Like, it's not scary until he actually does it. And he does it, like, maybe twice or three times a game max. And it's like, yeah. you should do it more. Like, you're better than that. Like, you can do it. Do mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, nah. In- interesting player for me, man. For me, though, one of my one of my favourite players um, in football right now, I think, yeah, I as I said, I think one of the most complete left-wingers in the game right now so yeah um but yeah i think that's that's all we got all got time for on this week's episode um thank you guys for listening once again hope you enjoyed and uh yeah we'll be back next week to talk more football uh until next time we're out <laughs>